Today's scripture reading <clears throat> comes from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So prior to our uh, scripture reading by Michael, thank you very much, Michael. I asked the worship team to actually play Reckless Love this morning in anticipation of today's scripture. And, you know, we refer to God in all sorts of ways. And one is of being the good shepherd. The writer of Reckless Love says, and you're not going to want me to sing it, so I'm just going to say, <laughs> the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. The implication is that the 99 are doing well and are safe, but the one sheep that is missing has gone astray and is lost. Now, I'm an introvert, so in my mind, I'd probably be the one straying away pretty regularly, intentionally, but I know that wasn't the songwriter's intent. This past week, however, as the weekend approached. Well, I just have to say that I felt like that one sheep that left the 99 lost and God had to rescue me. And so here's a picture that I want this. Yeah, <laughs> this is in case you can't, in case you can't see it, right? The sheep is on a rock wedge between two other large rocks, but there is nothing below it. And it, the caption says basically how I'm handling life. This is fine, I'm fine. <laughs> really, I'm fine. And I keep this picture handy, especially um, as my seminary assignments draw closer. <laughs> Speaking of which, and I just want to um, do a shout out um, to that we have two of my mission friend classmates here from seminary um, visiting today. It's Sarah Wood and her husband, Chris, from Loomis, California. And Pam Christensen and her husband, Eric, and their daughter, Jamie, from Seattle, Washington. And we're all part of the Ignite, Ignite program together through North Park. Okay, so welcome. Um, let's see, where were we? The good news. The good news is that God is good. And we dive into Psalm 23 today. And the hope is you'll see the heart of God is to rescue each of us in our despair and our darkness. We are continuing on in our sermon series, At the Table, God's Hosting you're invited. For each week, you're invited to come and sit at various tables that have been set by God through the stories of people in the Old Testament. At the table, we see God actively present to and for people, inviting them to community, to covenant, and likeness of God's character. At the table, you are invited to come with an openness to receive and sometimes respond at this particular table today, you are invited to bring a potluck of your emotions and feelings. 
you are invited to come and sit at the table that God has set for you in the presence of your enemies. Really? Really? Yesterday, uh, I spent my Saturday um, with a family. I gave the message at a celebration of life where Psalm 23 was read. And if you're familiar with this psalm that is written by David, then it's no surprise that you would hear it at a funeral or when someone is really ill or going through a dark time. I want to propose, though, that instead of looking at Psalm 23 and associating it with death, that we see it as a psalm about the living. And I'm quoting today from a book, and I'm going to mess up his name, but um, I'm going to try to say it, Johanna Catanacho's book, Praying Through the Psalms. And he is a Palestinian-Israeli Christian who studied Psalm 23 in great detail. And he says, Psalm 23 is one that puts daily activities such as eating, drinking, and seeking security in a radically God-centered perspective. The life of a member of God's people is lived between unfettered enjoyment of the presence of God and two aspects of the precariousness of life. One is uncertainty over whether we will have food to eat and water to drink, and the other is the experience of hostility from other people. This psalm invites you into a declaration of trust that God is our shepherd, protecting us with his rod and staff, and what he calls a fierce tenderness. It's a prayer from David's heart, conveying assurance of God's protective presence and promise of provision and rest and restoration in the first four verses. Until you come to verse five, where it says, God prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Why would he do that? Why would my enemies even be lurking around the table if God is my protector? If we continue reading through this psalm, we see that God provides all that we need to face challenges, even our enemies. And the promise is that goodness and mercy, the very essence of who God is, will follow us all the days of our life with the promise of being in God's kingdom now and to come. When David wrote the Psalms, this was before Jesus had been born, but it foretold all of who Jesus would be to us, the good shepherd. I love that David writes this, having had experience of what it was like to be a shepherd, actually herding sheep. He knew how much the sheep depended upon him as their caretaker. They needed to be led to green pastures to eat. They needed to walk in what was sometimes dark valleys and rely on the shepherd completely to be protected as prey from other animals. They were completely dependent on the wisdom and experience of their shepherd. Now I'm completely summarizing in the interest of time, but a couple of things that we want to remember about David is that he was a man after God's own heart, but he also made some bad choices that led to his downfall. If we wanna name it, he committed murder and adultery. Interestingly, when David is confronted with his sin by a prophet named Nathan, he turns toward God. 
he doesn't run as he did with other people. He acknowledges and confesses his sin, knowing he has hurt people, but ultimately and profoundly knowing that he has hurt his God, whom he has followed and loved fiercely and freely over the years. In fact, Psalm 51 is David's cry out to God after committing adultery and murder. And yet, Psalm 23 has become such a universal passage for conveying trust in God to walk with us and recover us as we need to be recovered. It is said to have been written when David was fleeing for his life a second time to escape an enemy who wanted to kill him. Yet Psalm 23 invites David again and again to the table for restoration. David came to the table before God in the presence of his enemies, his sin, and God responds with merciful love as he recovers and restores David. Now, there are consequences with bad choices, but David came to the table to face his enemy, the shame and the failure to live by God's commandments knowing that he could trust in God to continue loving and caring for him, knowing that when he goes astray, God will call him back. And God, as host at the table of recovery and restoration, received David, shepherding David, again to wholeness and restoration and relationship with him. So our first point today in your bulletin, you are invited to God's table of recovery and restoration. God is shepherd host of the lost and the love. God is shepherd host of the lost and the love. God loves us, and so he wants to keep his children safe and have us stay in community with him. Yet when we wander, even if it's with something like a bad attitude or stubbornness or idleness, even when we aren't hurting anyone but ourselves, God contends for the lost and will continue to call you to him. Even though David sinned and felt the shame and disconnect from God, God never stopped loving him. And God cared so much for David, he even sent a prophet to help David see his sin. So what about you? Who are the enemies in your life? It doesn't have to be a person. It could be a group that you dislike or feel uncomfortable with. It could be a feeling or an emotion. I know someone who said that they don't do emotions of sad because it feels like they're going to become too vulnerable. And yet sadness is a beautiful feeling to help us process loss, isn't it? Maybe it's an obsession with something that keeps you from getting through your priorities. Maybe your enemy is fear of having to face or confront something that needs addressing because it is hindering your relationship with someone or with God. How do you feel about being at the table with your enemies? I think it can be scary. Last week I introduced you all who were here and at home joining us on live stream or Zoom to my Hanai daughter, Jamie, And Hanai is just a term we use in Hawaii for, they're not blood related, but they're still family, still very close. Um, And Jamie came visiting from LA with her soon to be adopted 14 month old son. 
And she shared with all of you her impactful story as a testament to last week's table message where we talked about hesed, the above and beyond sacrificial loving kindness shown by God to us, in which we turn, we in turn can extend and live that out with other people. Hesed is happening here in Psalm 23 as God promises goodness and mercy all the days of our life. He's talking about hesed. It's where you have a relationship between two, God and a person, and one is in dire circumstances, and the other is able to act out of mercy and love to be there to help them. It can be also between two people, but it was first expressed to us by God My relationship with my Hanai daughter, Jamie, is one of Hesed also. And now her relationship with her soon-to-be adoptive son is Hesed being passed forward. It's been beautiful to witness her relationship with her son, but it didn't start out that way for me. I had my own enemy to deal with at the table. And some of you who attended our Good Friday service this past April, where seven of us from our church, Ohana, shared on Jesus' seven last words, were here to, to hear what I had shared. And the context of my sharing was really centered around one of the seven words, which was from John 19, verses 26 through 27, where Jesus is dying on the cross and says to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother, as he knows he is no longer going to be able to be there with his mother on earth. Jamie had shared her journey of wanting and then becoming a foster parent. And after everything that I knew that Jamie had come through in my relationship with her, the 20-year relationship so far, I knew that she would flourish as a mom. So you'd think I would be overjoyed when this foster baby came into her life, but I wasn't. I'm reading a part of what I shared at that Good Friday service, so I don't have to think so hard to re reinvent my words. It's been a long weekend. But this, this was what was going on in my brain that masters in overthinking. I could not celebrate her new foster parenthood. I was scared and worried that it would be too much for her. After all, he had his own developmental issues coming from a mom who abandoned him and was an addict. And Jamie, she wouldn't get enough rest. How could she work and take care of a baby? What about her mortgage? What will this do to her health? And worst of all, fostering meant she'd bond because she bonds with most everyone that comes to know her. And she'd have to say goodbye one day when this adoption goes through. And that would be crushing for her and for me. All this was before Jamie got word that she could adopt this little boy, by the way. So I share this because when Jamie texted me early on in her fostering this little boy to say, hey mom, this is your first grandchild, I retreated. And I made it about me saying that I just didn't, I don't have the bandwidth for it all. I'm busy with work and school and church and family to help and support. When really what I feared was opening up my heart and worse yet, Jamie's heart only to have it broken when she bonded with this child. I couldn't imagine seeing that 
or feeling that. I didn't want to have to say, I told you so. So I told her I was setting some boundaries, which tells me how great the fear was because I am terrible at setting boundaries. <laughs> but I said it. I'm here for you, but I don't think I can be there for the baby. I know. I'm not awful. I didn't want to be at the table of reckoning and recovery and restoration because I was lost in my own fears when really I needed to be at the table of reckoning, recovery, and restoration because I was lost in my own fears. Jamie and I would talk and we FaceTime a fair amount and I could hear the baby in the background and Jamie would share a little and a little more and I felt like God was having this private conversation in my mind and with my heart. I knew better. I could do better. I am better than these thoughts and these fears. The enemy wasn't so daunting anymore. God had made a way of shepherding me through the fear. And God also reminded me, and this is so, this is like how I so knew God was in the process of protecting. God also reminded me that back in 2020, Jamie had shared when she was diagnosed with leukemia and underwent a battery of tests and is still on medication to keep things under control. She's monitored with these blood tests. She takes a lot of medication, although she's hated swallowing pills all her life. And it felt uncertain for a time, but now she's stable. The kicker is this. This is Shepherd's provision, ironically, but so mercifully. When her cancer got diagnosed, it was because she went for some routine blood tests to qualify as a foster parent. That is how they found it. That's when they found her cancer. Otherwise, she, she may not have known till way later. The thing about coming to the table to face what we least want to is that we often don't feel ready. And thankfully, God has all the time in the world to wait for us, but he also has his timing. And the good news is that when you feel the slightest nudge, take a seat at the table where God has been waiting for you all along to shepherd you through your weariness, your fears, your conflicts, your insecurities, your brokenness, or anything that causes you to be separate and distant from the Father. You can bring anything before him. You may not get the answers right away or have the problem solved, but Psalm 23 promises that God will shepherd you through whatever and whenever you need to be led, fed, protected, taught, lavished with love and commitment that the shepherd gives to every single one of the flock. So point two to take away today that you are invited to God's table of recovery and restoration. But number two, no reservations are required at the table. Right? Isn't it a nightmare sometimes to try to get into your favorite place, your rest, a restaurant that you love and you can't? But at God's table, no reservations are required at the table. Just come. You can come in your bottle clothes. You don't have to dress up. Right? If you're hungry or thirsty or just don't want to be alone, come. No reservations. God's table is always open to you, especially when we are talking about recovery and restoration. So you can be a healthier you, mind, body, spirit, emotion. 
God wants to bring healing and wholeness for fullness of relationship with him to all of us who are lost and loved. Friends, how might God be wanting to recover and restore and renew you at this point in your life? What steps might God be calling or leading you to in order for this to happen? If there's something and you don't quite feel ready, I encourage you to continue to read, reflect, and pray on Psalm 23 to help you begin to trust God's heart that wants to bring renewal to you by recovering you and restoring you to wholeness again and again and again. Psalm 23.5 also talks about our shepherd host anointing our head with oil and our cup overflowing. Pouring oil onto the head of a guest was a way to welcome them back then, and it soothed and it refreshed, especially when one was tired from long travels. Oil was a protectant for the sheep's wool coat, too, to keep the bugs off of them and smoothing their skin. These are acts of love and caring for us by the shepherd, even to make sure that our cup is full to overflowing so that we do not thirst. And as I think about Jamie and how God has used this experience of welcoming a little baby into her life, her cup is overflowing. God has been generous to bring people and resources to her to help her to raise this child well. And as I have been able to bring my fears and to work through them, the thought of Jamie's health no longer overpowers the love for this little grandson. Our cups are overflowing because God, the shepherd host, has helped us in our own ways, with our own issues and our enemies, our feelings of being lost, and our love for each one of us to bring hope that recovers us when we are struggling. To bring recovery, to stay and finish the course well. To bring life to you, to know that you are called to be here on earth with him. So this week, as you do reflect, I printed out different adaptations of Psalm 23, and I, that's why you have extra paper. Um, and they're for you to read. And what I love about each one of these is that it invites us to experience how different people of different cultures with different challenges are receiving David's prayer and applying it to their own understanding of who God is as our shepherd host. And a few years ago, Daisy, who is part of our church, Ohana, who has been with us for many years, she shared with me her adaptation of Psalm 23. When we as a church were deeply saddened when Bev, our founding pastor's now late wife, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Like David, she cried out to God in her own Psalm 23 prayer. Her prayer was moving and genuine and raw, and it has been in the back of my mind in the hopes that one day she could come and share with us. And guess what? Today is the day, Daisy. So I just want you to, um, yeah, give a warm Hello to Daisy as she shares. Oh. Thanks. Hi, everybody. <laughs> well, when she mentioned Bev, I started to cry. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, I don't know how to segue into this, but, you know, this is um, funny how when I was a little kid, I quizzically um, recited the 23rd Psalm. 
And when we came to the part, I shall not want, it was always a puzzle to me. Because I thought, oh, you know, this wonderful God and, you know, he's so loving and caring and I should not want him. <laughs> I mean, I was so like, wow, <laughs> that didn't make sense. Anyway, that was my, one of my visits to the 23rd Psalm. And then one was like, you know, this time that she's talking about after Bev's death. And then she asked me to um, share. So I revisited it again. So I kind of changed it. <laughs> so it's another revisit. But I'll just read what I got here. And you can be um, puzzled as well. <laughs> the Lord is my genuinely attentive protector who unceasingly loves me. All my needs are taken care of. As I look to the expansive skies and the shoreline views, he allows me to rest in his protective presence. My shoulders relax. Assurance of my safety sinks down to my bones. As I'm yoked to him, I walk alongside in his paths, which are always the best way to go. Even though I walk through the cancer ward and call my dying friend, I will not fear my clumsy words and my floundering helplessness, for you are with me. Your wisdom, your words, your power, your presence, they comfort me. And this is the part I changed. Even though my battles in my head, heart, and life seem like small potatoes, you still step in step into my process wherever I am and give me courage to go forward. Your stepping in helps me to see and sense your deep abiding care for me. If you are unanxiously providing me a meal and anointing my head in the midst of my warfare, internal or external, how can I not realize you love me and got my back in every way? Do not be afraid, my soul. Lord, you are more than enough. If you are good and loving and I am with you and you are with me, in fact, you live in me, then surely the outcome of your influence, presence, and work in me will be an overflow of your goodness and love to those around me. I will walk with you in your house today and evermore. Amen. See, how could I not ask that to be shared? I don't know how to turn it off. That's okay. So, yeah, this is, a, this is our... Daisy's powerful and very personal cry out to God. A God that wants us to draw closer to him in times when life has us reeling. And isn't that when we are closest to God, when life is really dark and when we are reeling? When will you face your enemies? You are not alone. God invites you and promises you that he will never leave you nor forsake you. His heart is to renew you as he recovers and restores you. 
There is space at the table that is made just for you. Will you come? As we close today, I'd love for our closing prayer to be read together as a church. My deep appreciation for Psalm 23 comes from a class that our seminary cohort took last year, where we were introduced to different adaptations of Psalm 23. And the one that I'm asking us to read together to close our time together is one that I resonate with, as my world always seems to be about running and not resting. And so I don't know, any of you, can you relate to that? Not enough rest, but always going, going, going. So, if we can put the words on the screen. This is Psalm 23, a Japanese adaptation. You know, they're always like running right into the trains. <laughs> it's like very hustle and bustle. But you have a bulletin handout so you can read also. But let's close as we read together this Japanese adaptation of Psalm 23. Okay. The Lord is my pace setter. I shall not rush. He makes me stop and rest for quiet intervals. He provides me with images of stillness, which restore my serenity. He leads me in ways of efficiency through calmness of mind, and his guidance is peace. Even though I have a great many things to accomplish each day, I will not fret, for his presence is here. His timelessness, his all-importance will keep me in balance. He prepares refreshment and renewal in the midst of my activity, anointing my mind with his oils of tranquility. My cup, joyous energy, overflows. Surely harmony and effectiveness shall be the fruits of my hours, for I shall walk in the pace of my Lord and dwell in his house forever. Amen.